Hey there, I'm Christine. And I'm Stephanie. And welcome to the Incremental Steps podcast. We're a couple of smart, curious women trying to strike a balance between career, family, and self-care while striving to leave the planet better off than the way we found it. We're learning that we can't do it alone, like most things. We need each other, all of us. So every couple of weeks, we're going to check in for support in these difficult times and challenge each other to find new ways to leave a lighter footprint. We are incremental steps, united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that black lives matter. We believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Christine. It's been quite a week. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, So how, how are you doing this week? Um, I'm a little tender. You know, our, I think tender is a good way to say it. Um, we are here in Atlanta, so um, we have a lot of big energy, uh, big protest. Uh, I think the national headline was election meltdown. Um, we, we got a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, it's been a big week for Atlanta in not great ways. Uh, okay, so let's do the I could talk about, um, and uh, then we can kind of jump into it. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I could talk about election exhaustion. Mm. Um, I could talk about meeting with an amazing community youth leader who is phenomenal that's cool um i could talk about uh um i could talk about having more elderflowers than i've ever had by like tenfold i could talk about my yard just being glorious this week yep same um i could talk about um i could talk about foxes that have moved into my neighborhood and are giving off fox energy? Um, I could talk about my friend's baby chickens and having a little chicken envy. (laughs) Me too. I want chickens. (laughs) I really do. Uh, Okay. I could talk about solar sales. I could talk about the National Park Service having a place on their website with all their projects uh, listed that are open for comments. Okay, and um, I could talk about um, having a little breathing space and feeling guilty about that. Mm, I could talk about self-care in regards to social justice and how we need to fuel ourselves for a marathon and a sprint. Okay, well, that is quite a lot for us that we could talk about. So right? maybe we should jump in there and start with something. So um, do you want to start? let's should we take the week chronologically because the first big thing that happened this week was the election like that was the first crazy thing that hit the national news this week right my dad woke me up 
I know we've talked about my dad on this podcast before. He woke me up crazy early in the morning because um, he likes to um, he like he delights when we make the national news for crazy <laughs> stuff. Right? Same with my brother. <laughs> my brother texted me, but go ahead. No. Um, so the national headline was um, meltdown, Georgia meltdown uh, for election, which you being um, involved in the League of Women Voters probably can speak to this um, more than I can. But, you know, we had voted a week early and I had actually voted uh, by mail. I dropped my ballot off. And when my crew voted, the lines were an hour long. Uh, I think we talked about that last week on the podcast, but uh, when people showed up to vote Tuesday in Atlanta, they showed up to places and there were like not voting machines, right? Yeah. You want me to tell you about my day? Yeah, please. <laughs> you tell me about it. Uh, okay. So I got the first call. Um, so, so I was planning to be a poll monitor. Um, and I was planning to really just sort of be on call because I'm really the only person in the league that was designated um, in Gwinnett County to be doing that. So I was just sort of like, okay, whoever calls me first. Uh, and uh, my cohort, the vice, the, the vice president, the co-president, uh, she's a poll worker. So she was actually at a precinct and she texted me at 730. Um, the polls opened at seven and said, we're already having massive problems and I'm hearing that it's widespread all over the county. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> right? Right? Well, so much for my breakfast. Um, so uh, so I went to go see her. And, uh, you know, uh, we're a couple of middle-aged white ladies. And she was in a pretty, uh, I, I don't know if she got placed in the in the precinct that she's in with any knowledge or anything. But she's she's been a poll worker for many years and has a lot of experience. And she was an assistant manager. And... Um, so the precinct that she was at, it's not super busy and it's not, it's very, it tends to be, I think it skews more white. Um, so they had an issue because they couldn't get the machines to work when they first got there, but they did have machines. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of wandering around in real time because I had also talked to this, uh, this lady who was sort of our wise elder uh, league woman and she's done this kind of work for quite a long time and I, I called her and I was like I'm already going somewhere what do I need to be doing like how do I how do I record this what do I do and she kind of talked me through it and she said you need to go to these following um, precinct locations because you know that's likely that they're going to have problems and uh, so after I was done with um, talking to Diane because by the time I got there, it was like nine by the time I got there and they were already, they'd like gotten the machines to work and they were kind of off the ground and whatever morning rush had happened, they were kind of over it. Um, so I was going to the other places and I went to this one in Norcross that is in a historically black church, very famous church. And it was in a different building and it wasn't well marked. So that was a problem people had a hard time within just the within the facility figuring out which building it was at and how, what was going on with that they didn't have signs out um i don't think they had machines at seven because there were a lot of polling locations in Gwinnett county that didn't get the machines until uh later in the morning so there was a big crowd apparently there at seven a lot of those people left because the line wasn't moving at all and they probably had to go to work yeah they I had mean, to work yeah well, it's not a national holiday in this country as it really should be. And so, and even if it was, it's, you know, like you really shouldn't have the expectation that you're going to be standing in the hot sun 
uh, all day. That's not reasonable. And there were some places that were reporting, I know in Fulton County, that people were in line for six hours. Yeah, it's, and I mean, so the people that were at this church were, I watched, I stayed, I got there about 930 when they had kind of like gotten the machines sort of working and for, and I gathered from people coming out and me talking to them that the, that the machines were sort of up and down a lot. Like, I don't know if they had electrical issues or what, but, um, but, uh, so I got, I watched someone who got there the same time I did. I stayed until she came out. So the line was as long inside as it was outside. So once you finally made it in, like people were waiting outside for about an hour. Then they were waiting another hour inside because apparently there was only one person checking people in. Um, the machines were up and down. They didn't know how to use them. And the guy, the only guy that was bringing the machines up was the same guy who was putting signs out. Like he stopped what he was doing, bringing the machines up to put signs out. Like it's just like, so there was this, it, so I know that I know that it is, a, it is a perfect storm of potential voter suppression, but a lot of this isn't. It's also in, the pandemic, right? This is a lot of it's not intentional voter suppression, but it is, it is predictable chaos mm -hmm. um, because you had a lot of new poll workers because a lot of the old poll, poll workers with the experience um, didn't want to leave because of COVID, didn't want to do the job this time, mm -hmm. so they were short poll workers. They had they were short on training. Mm -hmm. So even um, if the machines were there and they got there in the morning, they didn't necessarily know how to get them up and running and started. Um, so there were just, there were a lot of things that were lined up as, as points of failure. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times they did. Uh, and it took them a while to kind of get their head around that. And that caused a backup and a lot of people left and they either had to come back or they had to go. And then I talked to a lady who um, waited in line for two and a half hours, God bless her. And then got up there and the way the ballots work is you have to, you get a little card, electronic card, you put it in the machine, it gives you your ballot, you cast the ballot, it gives you a printout. And for your vote to count, you have to take that printout and put it through a scanner and the scanner drops it into a locked box. Well, she, put, she went to put it in the scanner and it jammed. So I think they had already cleared her machine by then, but they had already counted her as having voted and they couldn't get her, her vote in the box. So her vote didn't count and she couldn't re-vote. So they were like, uh, so they just told her to call back later. And she was like, well, uh, I work in Midtown. So I don't know. I mean, so she left and she was very upset, but it's so bad. Well, as her. she should be. Yeah, of course. She was very frustrated. And so I talked to her and I gave her the 1-800 number for, um, the voter line. I called it myself and reported the issue. So, I mean, that was sort of what I did that day was sort of like escalating issues to the lawyers at the other end of that line. God bless them. I don't know where they are. I think they're either in New York or DC. I'm not sure, but uh, they were just sort of collecting every story so that they could, um, they had the ammunition they needed for whatever lawsuits were required to um, move things it. along. Yeah. Fix it. Which is a tool. I don't know if people understand that when they, they're suing, they're not necessarily suing, I'm not suing for damages. They're suing for a remedy. They're just trying to get it fixed. Right. Right. So, it's the way our system works. Right. Uh, so yeah, so that's how the day went. Um, I, I was sort of out of it by about three o'clock that afternoon, three or four o'clock. We checked in. Yeah, we checked in. So originally, just to let our, our listeners know, originally I was planning on being out there with you and I was having a major allergy attack and just felt horrible, um, which that's a whole side note because I realized this week one of the things I could talk about is that I need to get in better shape 
physically and healthy wise so I can do the work I want to do in the world. Um, because I think that part of my allergies is like what's going on with, you know, this quarantine 15, as somebody recently called it. <laughs> Like, from five years ago right. <laughs> so, okay um so yeah it is um you know it's real and so I wasn't yeah. able to be out there with you and I know we touched base about three or four o'clock and you were the thunderstorms had rolled in and you had actually said well that was a that was gave you a good pause because there was a um things had settled down yeah I I hope that that I hope the rain didn't keep people from going to the polls. I think it was just a natural dip in the afternoon. Like I, I think sure. it was probably a lull, but sure. Um, but yeah, and and by the time I went to all the places, they were all doing fine. So, and we had some um, record turnout. Like we had yeah, some I mean, record turnout in Gwinnett County. That's the good news. There was a lot of good news to take away from that. And one was that there was so much turnout that that ended up being um, part of the issue. I don't um, even know if they finished counting all the uh, all the mail-in ballots yet. I don't think they have finished counting all those. The last I heard, they still had about 50,000 left to count. That's which a lot. Is, out of 70,000 is not, yeah, they, they've got a lot to go. <laughs> right? I think that, I think in Gwinnett County, 70,000 um, absentee votes were, were cast. So I know a lot of people are very upset because they're going out and they're trying to check on the on the website to see that their vote has been counted and it hasn't been yet. And I understand that's a cause for alarm, but it, it you have to let them go through the process. And definitely the League of Women Voters will be on top of the Board of, it, of Elections um, from now until November, just that, like, hey, why did these things happen? You know, I, I'm going to be at the meeting on, like, virtually attend the, um, the election board meeting on Tuesday. And, um, you know, so we're some other people, we just want to kind of stay on top of things, but yeah, I mean, it's not entirely their fault. I, I feel very badly for the people that are, that are doing the work because it's very hard and, and they were only given what they were given and, you know. Right. Well, that's part of the issue, right? I was, um, I was following Nicola Hendrickson's post. She's running for County Commissioner Chair. Mm -hmm. And she had gone to the election and what uh, she was saying, you know, she was acknowledging the good work that the workers themselves we're doing because mm -hmm. there's multiple steps to the process like you have to open you have to sort you have to review the ballots and then you scan the vetted ballots at the election office and so um there were like 55,000 ballots still needing to be scanned now right. and it can't be rushed that's you know you want accuracy and you want every vote to count um but some of the questions she asked i was really curious about because she was um talking about why wasn't the bottleneck anticipated with the pandemic and with the push for online voting um because there were only five scanners on site to scan tens of thousands of ballots so you know that was one of her questions like why and where did that decision come from was that from the state was it a county issue you know looking for where did this come from and um that you know voting's a right so we need to look at the process to fix it for november and then she did post yesterday an update that said um that the commissioner marlene fosk had informed um the public that the secretary of state's office sent two additional scanners and two more are coming on monday um, but teams are working from 7 a.m to 11 p.m through the weekend 
and are updating numbers throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure partly because they wanted to make sure there were enough in the field. Like it, there might it might be that they can pull them back after they've been in the field. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the thinking was there, and that's the sort of thing I want to hear from the board of elections. But but yeah. So that's the work. Um, so uh, it gave me some uh, interesting insight into what August and November are going to be like, and I am hoping to kind of roll out a league, um, adopt a precinct idea and see if we can't get more volunteers to kind of have a more of a coordinated effort to um, record what's happening and be there to be offering support and backup. So, um, you know, it's, I'm, that's my incremental step. My incremental step from this experience is that I think that the League of Women Voters in Gwinnett County can be a point person, a, a point location for, for trying to make sure that there are more boots on the ground. So I'm going to see what I can do to make that happen. That's a good thing. You and I talked, I'm looking at being a poll worker. I, oh, I'm going to apply this week and see if they need me because I was thinking about when I look at these stories of voter suppression, when I look at people, um, you know, it, some of it's how they're treated when they're in there, like if somebody's willing to listen to them or help them. And um, so I was like, okay, I, I have the patience uh, to do that when problems arrive. I'm consider myself a pretty good problem solver um and so i was like i think i'm gonna apply and see because i could rearrange my schedule um to take some days in november here's, here's what i'm gonna tell you about that apply right away because um i applied for this last one and didn't get a response until so close to the election that i decided i was like well i don't think i'm gonna do that but they wanted they're gonna need additional paperwork they need an i-9 from you okay uh, which okay. is just, just proof that you're like a citizen and can do it. So just be be aware and try and be on top of that because okay. they're they're pretty so slow to respond. That's my incremental step. I'm going to okay. apply this week, so right. um, to make a difference in elections for August and November. I, okay. I probably won't make the August cutoff, but you know, there we go. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. That's awesome. That's great. That is awesome. And, and just if you're if you're listening this week, we're trying to actually apply a single incremental step to whatever we talk about um, because uh, that's what the podcast is, and we thought maybe we should plug what, that what? in. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we so, can grow and evolve. Look at us connecting the dots. Change, right? <laughs> um, why we haven't been doing that all along, I don't know. We were yeah. we've been dancing around it. We just haven't quite done it. Um, okay, so enough about the election for now, because I'm, I'm tired of talking about it, to be honest with you. Um, what would you like to talk about next, lady? Well, there's so much, right? Um, let's do a quick uh, check-in with social justice, um, okay. just quick. Yeah. Um, you know, here in Atlanta, it has been a big weekend. Um, our, uh, yeah, our, our second national news-making event right in the midst of protest um which for the most part had been peaceful um until this weekend uh you know they'd started out um a little more volatile at the beginning of the movement but all the reports i had been seeing and had been all week there had been really good peaceful protests there was a protest close to us with um educators for black lives matter standing up for their students and um then the atlanta police department um killed another black man and uh and that just erupted uh yesterday in atlanta um our chief of police resigned and so, so today's sunday it happened friday night right and then mm -hmm. saturday night they had a big protest about mm -hmm. it where mm -hmm. they blocked um all the lanes of i-85 
which if anybody's been to Atlanta, like that is, is that total eight or 10 lanes? It's 16 lanes. 16. See, look, I'm On in denial sides. about how big it is. It's the reason we have traffic in Atlanta. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, Port yep. I-85. I-85 gets blown up. I-85. Right. The bridge burned last yeah. year. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we've, um, you know, there's more work to be done about social justice and Black yeah. Lives Matter and um, de use of deadly force uh, from I'm, people who are supposed to protect us. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so sad about that whole thing. Um, it's it's hard when there are two narratives, and um, I'm not going to weigh in on those narratives because I don't feel like that's my that's my place to do I I am gonna say I am deeply worried about the fact that the the chief of police resigned because I I liked that there was a woman chief of police mm -hmm. in Atlanta and I thought that she was making a real effort to keep the police in check with the protesters like it seemed to me like she was really making them stand down and um I am woefully concerned about what's going to happen this week mm -hmm. without her there. Mm -hmm. But I understand why she felt the need to resign. Mm -hmm. And I understand, I understand feeling personally responsible for what happened. <sighs> I just you know they called in the national guard at one point because I was seeing, um, reports of Atlanta called in the National Guard and this is what the National Guard did and they were showing a video of them doing the Macarena um so they were actually dancing with the protesters so that's, it was yeah that's earlier though right that was like a week ago it was before yes this latest um tragedy so you know it is I know we talked before the podcast because so, we were like do we talk about it do we not talk about it and I specifically wanted to talk about it and not in detail but the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I think that this is where it gets challenging for white people especially as allies is when it gets more complicated and there's different narratives going on and there's different I think part of what we do is stop talking about it um, now, whether that is because we don't know and we need to research more and learn more about it, or if it's because of um, our stamina, I think we talked about that a podcast or two ago about like we're not trained as white people to talk about racial justice stuff for long amounts of time. And we're all probably going on about two weeks right now, pretty hardcore. And so I'm not sure where it's at, but I just wanted to say we need to stay in the conversation with our neighbors and our friends. And, and one of the other things I said I could talk about is we need to talk about self-care in this work. Um, we need to talk about self-care in regards to social justice and protesting and how we need to fuel ourselves because this is a marathon folks. Like, you know, I have a friend that's in his eighties who um, one of the privileges of living in Atlanta is meeting some of the history icons that we read about in history books that are, you know, John Lewis and um, different people who have been in this work for years. And um, one of my friends, um, Al Lingo, was one of the first white men to work for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And boy, he has got some stories, right? Um, and we had a conversation last week because his grandkids are now out uh, standing up 
uh, against social injustice and um, and talking about I love the fire and the passion of the youth right the fire and the passion of the youth that um, it's a sprint and they feel like like we're doing it we're gonna get it done and we have accomplished some things like when you look at you know there's a couple of narratives about oh protests don't accomplish anything well they have like we're seeing we're seeing some some officers that uh needed to go go you know we're seeing some new legislation in georgia um on monday uh, we come back into session and they're introducing a new anti-hate bill which georgia does not have one and we need one so for things like ahmad down in south georgia like his his murderers can be prosecuted as a hate crime. So Are they introducing, I think they're introducing legislation to get rid of the whole citizens arrest thing too. Yeah, which, which is also needs to go it needs by to by. go. Yeah, it does. So there is there's that you know there's that and it is accomplishing something and the reality is um, there's more to be done right. So there's. There's the sprint to getting the attention and drawing attention and getting people uh, to pay attention and start to learn and research and understand things. And then there's the marathon piece of it, which is um, we got to change policy. We have to change legislation. We have to change policy. Um, we're talking about um, we're talking about systems that have been in place for some of them hundreds of years like our criminal justice system and how does that shift right how does that shift how does it change and in order to do this work I, i'm sure a lot of people out there are already exhausted right mm -hmm. they're exhausted and i know my friends of color are exhausted because they're having the trauma in their bodies also um and so how do we maintain the stamina to do the work, whether it's in racial justice work, environmental work, like the places we need to show up and stand up in our lives? Like, how do we take care of ourselves in order to do that? Well, yeah, sure. Um, but also, isn't this stage of protesting and uh, demonstrating meant to morph into another phase of activism that that isn't demonstrating yes okay well yes and i think we're in for a summer i yeah, mean i, I would so it feels a lot like occupy the occupy mm -hmm. movement it feels mm -hmm. like that's what we're mm -hmm. what we're dealing with so yeah i think that's probably accurate can i tell you though so one of the ways that i stay in it one of my self-care practices is looking for joy and looking for the good and can i just tell you some of the protest art that is coming out of this it's just lighting my soul on fire like some of the black lives matter movement that's been painting like in this in seattle like have you seen some of the artwork i've seen the there's a mural of george floyd that i've seen several mm -hmm. times um i haven't seen a lot of other stuff yeah there of course i love all kinds of art but like even at our when we were at our local protest, some of the signs, especially oh, the signage, the I love, yeah, was stunning. Like 
I want to be better at that because often I'm running around like a maniac and I just show up with something in a magic marker written on a sign, right? Um, but I know the power of art. I know the power of, of catching somebody's attention with something that's beautiful and or disturbing, like art does both things, right? Um, I want to get better at that in my life because I like call, the, You calling that in? Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally a great idea. It. I yeah, because there were there were some gorgeous um, pieces, even at the one that we went to in Duluth. Absolutely, um, using people's names, that kind of thing was very powerful. I thought, and sometimes so, it's just the message. Sometimes the message. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, you had a good sign. I have to say, my friend, you oh, did a good you. sign. Um, so tell me, what is your incremental step this week? In regards around to social justice or around around, around uh, well, let's do both. So around social justice and anti-racism work, what's your what's your incremental step? Ooh, that was the baby's calling because I did not put them on do not disturb. So everybody that heard that, that was my nibblings TV for my nephews trying to call me. I'll call them back. Um, uh, my work is going to be, oh, I'm echoing. Go ahead. I think uh, you're gonna... my, my work is going to be um, starting the, well, it's the same. It's the working for the, the vote. Like that's really where I need to put my social justice work. So I'm going to see what I can do about marshalling um, several different local groups and um, seeing what we can do to, to protect the vote the next time around. So awesome. Um, well, I have got it calendared in my calendar because we talked about this a week or two back about calendaring anti-racism um, and social justice work. And it is calendared to go off in my calendar for me to call my state legislatures tomorrow about oh, gotcha. the um, anti-hate legislation. And I'm also going to check out about the citizen's arrest one. And so I'm going to call and let my voice be heard to my state representatives is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then I'm, you know, I'm committed to doing one a day, but that's the one I'll name for, for right now. So self-care, what's your incremental step for being, um, I've had a good week for self-care. Um, so my husband just got a job, so we were sort of celebrating that. Yay. Yeah. Only one of us. Congrats. Really <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I really found that I was much better able to focus as soon as that news came through. Like that was really the thing that I think the anxiety level went so it went down so much. I could really kind of get some things done. So I've really been going through the house and um, purging and selling and deciding what, what really I am Marie, Mary, Mary or Marie, Marie condoing the heck out of my house right now. And just, if it doesn't give me joy, it's Audi. Um, and that is surprisingly, uh, beneficial to my mental health like I it just makes me feel so good to have that done um to not have a bunch of junk just weighing on me especially because we're we're giving some thought to possibly selling the house getting a smaller house with more land mm -hmm. um so we'd be downsizing so I know I need to be getting rid of some things anyway so if I can at least start that process it feels it feels empowering to me so that's that's my plan to keep doing that some what about oh, I see you have flowers <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just, uh, you know, I was multitasking while we talked. I was <laughs> pulling off the little bud. These are my gladiolas. Um, I'm showing Stephanie, y'all, uh, a yellow gladiolus with this really bright pink um, kind of color coming out of the center. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yes, we've got to talk about my yard in just a minute, but um, self-care for me, I'm going to steal some of yours because I need to declutter. And I think I'm going to do the old fly lady trick um, of throwing away or donating uh, 28 things a day. And, um, and I think that's going to be my incremental step this week. Let me tell you something. Um, Facebook Marketplace is a surprisingly effective way of getting that done. Right? Uh, oh, so, yeah. All right. I'm in. I know we talked about in the future one of our shows being about uh, being a minimalist, which anybody who knows me and is listening is going to laugh so hard when they hear that <laughs> um, because that's not in my DNA. Um, I am but, that. But, but even just the concept of starting to pare down gets me excited. And I am approaching a birthday and I like to do a personal audit on birthdays. Um, so I think that's going to be part of it this week is if it's not giving me joy, I'm going to, I'm going to donate it um, and do a little bit of that. So I think that'll be, that's what I'm going to do this week for self-care. That sounds good. Okay. All right. That sounds like a solid plan for both of us. Um, so we were going to talk a little bit about everything that's growing in our yards. I would love to, because that is part of my fuel for this work. It is the balance. Um, when things are crazy in this world and there's things that are so out of control and uh, I, the balance of looking at my flowers in my yard and what is growing, um, I try to do at least once a week. I try to go around and take pictures of things. So this morning, uh, I had, well, my gladiolas that Joe and I planted for each other. We planted each other for Valentine's Day. We planted each other bulbs this year. And so our gladiolas, are, I know it's a little sickening, 26 years, but, you know, it was it was sweet. And so we, they are just showing out. Like, they are so stinking gorgeous. We have deep purples and pinks and whites and yellows and reds and, oh, I bought them on sale at Costco. Like that was one of the best things I've done for myself this year. So that was blooming. My magnolia tree has some blooms on it. My passion vines are starting to bloom. <gasps> My butterfly, I do. I have this really cool little ecosystem. So I have two giant butterfly bushes that are purple. And um, I'll post a picture on Facebook because they're, they're teeny tiny little flowers that look right. like bigger flowers. So the butterflies come, they lay their eggs on my passion vines and the caterpillars eat the passion vines and then the butterflies come and then go to the butterfly bush. It's this really cool little... Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really awesome. And so my butterfly bushes are blooming and my blueberries are starting to give me blueberries. I'm getting, yep. I'm getting about a half a pint of blueberries um, every day. And then I've got the deep blue purple salvia that the pollinators just love. <gasps> I forgot to tell you, Stephanie. So I was having my cup of coffee in my backyard talking about joy and looking for the good. And I was like, is that a giant insect? What is that? It was the tiniest hummingbird I think I've ever seen eating off my gladiolas. So I am declaring that a hummingbird was born in my backyard. I don't know where. I don't know. But it had to have been born in my backyard for it to be that tiny eating in my backyard. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. What about your yard? Uh, well, so my 
keyhole garden has been completely consumed by a vine and we didn't know what vine it was but we had fruit coming off of it and I was like I don't know if this is a cucumber or a zucchini or what it is I, I think I've just decided it's a spaghetti squash oh, but it is I literally like everything it is going through the tomatoes it has <laughs> eaten the entire it's just everywhere so um so that and um the garden in general so the most of my garden is a pollinator garden and we have um black-eyed Susans everywhere. Um, they're really pretty. They look like just like yellow daisies. Um, and uh, the elderflower, the elder, my elder tree has gone nuts this year. I don't know what's going on. I usually make a couple of batches of um, elderflower champagne while I have the, the, the flowers. And then I don't have berries in the fall because I use the flowers to make champagne. This year I've made six batches and I still have a bazillion flowers. I mean, so many flowers. So I'm going to have a ton of berries too. So I'm really paying attention to that because um, just doing the work in, in herbalism, I find that what shows up ends up being what you need. So the fact that um, the elder flower and, and berry is really showing up is uh, meaningful to me. Like, oh, okay, we're, we're still in it. Uh, keep wearing the mask. Keep washing your hands because um, the, the antivirals are still showing up. Well, speaking of that, uh, did you see the news that came out that Gwinnett County has the highest reported cases in the state of Georgia right now, the coronavirus? I mean, I'm not surprised. It's a very populous yeah. county. It's, yeah. I, you know, it. And there's it, also some great reporting coming out of other countries about how effective wearing your mask is. Like that if everybody's wearing their mask, how much it's lowering the rate of infection. Yeah, it, it lowers it to down to like 2%. And that's the, the thing is you're wearing your mask for me and I'm wearing my mask for you. And that's what people can't get their head around. They mm -hmm. cannot get their head around doing something that doesn't benefit them, that benefits someone else and having that trust that they're going to benefit you too, which I don't know what to say to that. Like get with the program people. Um, right. I don't know. I mean, people are out in force. I will say, though, that I just went to the grocery store before we started recording, and um, I forgot my mask, and I was like, oh, I don't have time to, I, so I, like, real quick went in there, grabbed some things, and tried not to talk or do anything, and made sure I had socially distanced, and almost everybody in there was wearing a mask, which is unusual, so, um, so, um, and I apologize, everybody who was at Publix, when I was at Publix, I normally don't do that, um, but, um, yeah, it does seem like, uh, I, I hope that it seems like people are taking it more seriously because we're about to open wide open this week. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be crazy. They're going to be blaming the um, uptick on um, on protests, which you and I both know is not accurate. It, it's not scientifically it, correct. Yeah, this, right. this three, way. Three weeks is... ago is when you started opening things up. And so that's, that's right. what we're seeing now. And in another three weeks, we probably will see more reported cases because of the protests, but that's not what's happening now i agree with you so um okay so so what's your incremental step around what? for around well first of all just around your yard this week around my yard um i'm gonna let the spaghetti squash keep growing so i can determine what it, for sure what it is because it's not yellow and I, I don't, i'm not sure why it's it's like white i don't know what it is um and uh, the rest is just enjoy it and watch the foxes so we had to, a pair we have a pair of foxes that have apparently moved into our our little community and everybody is sort of talking about it and uh, marveling at it and they were romping around our backyard um week. so yeah yeah so that's really fun um so i'm just gonna try and um show up for them more and be outside to to, to see it more that's awesome what about you 
Um, I have uh, some, is it radicchio? Is that how you say it? Um, I need to do some harvesting. Radicchio? The, the, are you talking about lettuce? It's kind of spicy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know why. I like, I, it tastes like a radish to me. That's why I say it that way. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I need to do some harvesting because I think it's about done. And then I need to transplant some of my squash um, to give them more room to grow. So we right now, as we're recording, are having a lovely summer rain shower. Which we sure are. Um, I'm a little concerned we're going to lose power. Well, we're about done. So going. if we lose power, we'll be done. Um, well, but, we, still have to, we still need to talk about um, the solar stuff. Oh, my gosh. Let's dive in because okay. we've been in this for a while. Yes, please. Let's hear yeah, about so, your solar this week. Right. So I owe you a report on um, a solar power. So I did have a meeting with a solar uh, sales dude. And he came out and um, gave us a lot of, threw a lot of numbers out, a lot of percentages. Um, there's basically two ways that, that he was suggesting we could do it. We could get panels and put them on our roof um, and just have it plug into the grid. Or you can get panels and have a Tesla battery and have that as like a battery backup and have it plug into the grid. But you have a little bit more energy to work with yourself that way mm -hmm. and they like to talk a lot about um how much your energy bill will go down well of course that's true because you've got an alternate source for your energy um what he was really fuzzy about from what i could tell was like what does the combined cost like so so the way that they do it is um you finance all these solar panels and it's more or less like buying a car because it's about fifty thousand dollars to get it all and yeah but about 26 percent of that cost comes off in tax credits so it okay. ends up being about thirty five thousand dollars okay so they financed it over five ten or fifteen years so he was quoting us the 15 year um and even at that if you got the tesla battery which to me made sense like long term if you're going to have mm -hmm. this going on mm -hmm. every bill we had would be more than our highest just regular energy bill mm. so to me if it had been something where it was close if we could like i don't mind paying a little bit more to mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. but i i'm just not in a position right now to be able to say it's going to cost three times what it would normally cost for us to have energy but that's okay because i'm an early adopter and i care about this and i want to do it <sighs> if i had the money to do that i would do it because yeah. I do believe in it, um, but that's just not something we're capable of doing right now. So I'm going to have to pass on that um, option. So my, and and I will say I encourage anybody who's interested in it to go ahead and um, and check it out. But it is because let me clarify something. It didn't cost you anything for them to come out and give you a no, quote. They're and... happy. Oh, no, it's a sales call. They're happy okay. to, to come out. And meet. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, it just you're paying early adopter prices for stuff too things always cost more if when you you're the first person on the block to get it oh another thing i did was uh, i reached out to the uh, hoa to see what they had to say about this so i'd be the first person in the neighborhood to, to get this done mm -hmm. so they didn't have any precedent for that and the the hoa president asked me what um if i had talked to a real estate agent about that and what the roi was and um he had quoted some article uh he, he had the the sales guy okay 
the sales guy had said, oh, there was a Cambridge uh, study that uh, says that uh, for every for every panel you put on your house, your your home value goes up five thousand dollars. And so I asked to see that article, and then I tried to Google it and find out what he was talking about. So I don't know about you, but if I hear there was a Cambridge study, I assume what you're talking about is Cambridge University. Would you assume that as well? That would be my first guess. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the, it come the, from? The only thing I could find was City of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh. Had, had their own power thing. So I don't love that, that was my that was also my first question where are they because if you're in california if you're in colorado evidently if you're in cambridge massachusetts the return on the investment may be good but i think you may be right with the with the early adopters especially in our state right now like yeah so i mean if you throw down and and there's another big issue like if you sell your house and you haven't paid for this thing it's installed so you have now an issue you need to resolve. It's like having an in-ground hot tub that's not part of your house. What happens when you sell your house? Which is tricky for those of us that have kids who have just graduated. And I'm sure at this stage in life, just like you said, even contemplating downsizing, which I think is normal and natural for this stage of in our lives, right? To be saying, how if it's not our retirement house, how long are we in this house? And yeah, that's right. interesting. There's multiple layers to this. So, so pretty much what you would have to do, I think, is pay it off. You'd have to pay off all the financing and and sell it outright with the with the house, which you definitely may not get your money back on. If you you probably are taking that out of whatever equity you have in your house when you sell it. So that's a that's a pretty serious consideration. It's um, a big old chunk of change. Yeah. So. Um, so my next incremental step on this journey, the next thing that I want to do is uh, look at what existing solar power options there are through our current energy company. And I know that there are some and I've kind of looked at it, but I haven't called them and talked to them about it. So you can get, you can have them, I think they will install solar in your house, but I also think that you can just, they have solar farms and you can, you can option to have your energy be part of that. So um, I think it costs a little bit more, but I think it's not exorbitantly more. And then you you are kind of feeding that whole, like I guess the more people they have that are, that are in that program, the more solar panels they can put up, <clears throat> which seems like a more efficient way of going about that. So um, I'm interested in seeing what uh, Georgia Power has to say about um, solar energy, and that will be my next step. I love that. I love for, I love, I look forward to that. Um, my next step, I'm still working on research. I don't have enough to report yet. Um, I want to, um, I've, I've been doing it incrementally. You know, I found the place that um, you can install the panels. So it's a do it yourself. Like you're not paying for installation. You're still paying for the panels, which I would love for us to compare cost on that not talking about it but maybe you and I doing a side-by-side -side comparison um, and just briefly mentioning it and so one of my next steps is the actual do-it-yourself can you build the solar panels like at my makerspace that's three miles down the road so that's the my next step is I'm reaching out to folks who have more know-how than I do um, to see is this possible and what are your costs come out at because as you know some do-it-yourself projects end up costing you more than if you buy it 
especially if there's a lot of room for error, right? So, so it's all good to check out and find out if this, because I'm with you. I want to do this. I want to support yeah. this. I want to, you know, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing it. I'm just not sure how to go about it. And that's, that's where we are with that. So that's why this was a big project. We didn't expect it to get resolved right away. Right. And, um, you know, it'll be something to, to keep up with ongoing. Maybe we can have, we might set a goal to maybe have a resolution to this by the end of the summer. I think that's a good idea. And maybe we come up with a chart that we can share with folks um, where they can see like where we've done the research and it shows the differences. Uh, I think that would be, that's a good goal for the end of the summer. Solar for summer. Solar I like for it. summer. I think it, that sounds good. Uh, and also that's going to be when solar makes the most sense. Uh, that's another sure. thing to keep in mind. In the winter when you have shorter days, um, solar power is not going to be as efficient. So does it count that I have a solar shower for camping? <laughs> Are you using it? <laughs> In my camping gear. I'm not currently using it, but I'm I mean, sure. <laughs> if you're not using it in your backyard every day when you take a shower, I don't think it counts. <laughs> All, right. All right. <laughs> I don't have any particular closing inspiration for today. Um, but I would just say um, that we're just, we're, we are both holding everybody um, in our thoughts and in our hearts. And we hope that you guys are all doing the same. And um, it's been a crazy week and it's going to get crazier before it gets less crazy. So be kind to yourself. Um, so I would say, I'm, can I add something on to that? Absolutely. Uh, remember to breathe. Yeah. Like, um, you know, one of my practices in interplay and in my life is to, to stop and pause and take some deep breaths and, um, also just check in with yourself and notice what you're noticing about your feelings and how your body's doing. And cause in times of stress and crisis, I know, especially as moms, a lot of times we just stuff that stuff or we ignore it and keep going, keep going. And, um, I think this one's going to last a little bit, y'all. So processing it, taking deep breaths, checking in with yourself, sleeping more if you need to sleep more, if it's possible. I think all those are good, good things to remember. Giving yourself permission to experience joy. Oh, yeah. And looking for the joy. I can't tell you how happy I was when I saw that little hummingbird because little hummingbirds represent joy to me. So when I saw that tiny little hummingbird, I was like, oh, a little burst of joy this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'm thank glad to you hear that. so much for this conversation today my friend it absolutely been delightful so well until we meet again be well be kind be courageous bye y'all woman feels her power when her voice is being heard a woman feels her power when her this has been the incremental steps podcast our theme music is a woman feels her power Big thanks to Karen Drucker for letting us use it. Visit incrementalstepspodcast.com for all kinds of great information. We would love to hear from you.